Hi, my name's Sean. That's my friend. You know, I'm Cruz. AKA <laughs> Objective Geek. I was so ready. I was going to get it good this time. It's going to be great. Got to throw it out. Got to start over. No, it's fine. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. He can introduce himself if he wants. In fact, I often wonder why I just took the privilege of introducing himself. <laughs> Maybe he had this big thing planned two years ago when we started doing this. It's like, I'm going to bust out the gates and just tear my shirt off every time. Be like, I'm Chris Ford. And I've never once let him do that. Now I feel terrible. I feel terrible. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't have anything planned. So oh, okay. Well, I don't feel so bad then. Just like wrestling music, like oh my god, and you just come out and give a really like amped up speech with your, I don't know, whatever. If um, I did, it would be the Stone Cold music. That's the best to me. It's Stone Cold. Just that glass breaking interrupts everything. Just my favorite is when. Stone Cold's coming out and the music plays, but the fight in the ring, whoever's actually supposed to be in there, just continues as if they don't hear that happen. She's like walking out with a chair and like three beers in the other hand, and they're just continuing as if like, no, I can't hear a thing in the ring down here. But uh, I've always wanted to do that. Like if somebody plays that music and it just makes me want to, like I wish I had two Dr. Peppers or something, just, just crush them all over myself but that'd be a waste I you should watch there's this video of this black family and i don't know how they even did it um but <laughs> this one guy just comes out they just take the audio of stone cold the song coming in and he coming into the ring and beating up whoever doing uh dang it stunners after stunners mm-hmm. to, to people and so this one dude Gets in his car, he gets out, and the music is playing. He goes, he fights this guy. Like they, they've, they've choreographed this whole thing. But it, it's, it's hilarious. I'll, I don't know how I'm gonna find it, but I'll find it and send it to you. I think one of my favorite types of of video on Instagram or Facebook is like choreographed wrestling sessions with like a dad and like a really small child. And the other day I watched one where. He was like off the side of the bed, so he's like standing up but leaned over, and then the kid kind of put him in a stunner, and so then he just you know pops up and like all the way onto the floor, and they went through yeah. the trouble to put the whatever the, the Lawler, the guy, the announcer guy, in the background saying, "Oh my god," just yeah. like they went through all the trouble to put him in the background and stuff. It was great. I love that stuff. But uh, also, but also, this is an Avatar podcast. <laughs> No, nothing against wrestling. I, I just I haven't watched it in like a decade, so I, I have very little to contribute. Uh, but this is Avatar: The Last Podcasters, and it's also a very exciting episode of Avatar: The Last Podcasters, in our humble opinion, because it's episode ten of Legend of Korra, book one. It's called "Turning the Tides," and get some. I mean, we're in like we're in like pinnacle. You would think you like would think there'd be more water bending in this episode. You would think, but there's very few tides or water puns or references of any type, actually. Mostly blood. But they're usually not that literal with their titles. Like I remember the boiling rock, and I was like, oh, it's about a volcano. They're going into a volcano. Because when I think about boiling rock, I think lava. That that sounds like a child trying to describe a volcano, but without knowing what the word volcano is. It sounds like boiling rock. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just, and just, no. just a name. Oh, well. But, uh, hey, this is a great episode. Uh, I, I can ask you how you're doing again for sake of formality. We've been recording back-to-back, so I know how you're doing. But, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, doing great. I've been listening to a lot of Steven Universe. You know that show? I'm it's only aware of the name from another podcast that I listen to. <laughs> it's uh, I, I've... People have hyped the show up, I think, a little bit. It's a fairly well popular show. Um, I think the show, my, my daughter's been watching it. She's watched it all. And she's been listening to a lot of the music, um, which music is great. Steven Universe music is really good. It's really catchy. It's really um, uh, different. It's really diverse. Um, it's really good music. The thing about the show, the show's really the show's good. I've, 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 to be honest, I've only watched like bits and pieces of the show here and there, but I've put it all together. And I really don't care to watch the whole show in its entirety because I think I've got the gist of it. <laughs> Which, 
There's a perv in Queens. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> joke. But the show is like if Care Bears had good music and like better characters, but really there's no, I think, real strife to the story because it's just like, if I just love you enough. <laughs> You could care, you could change, and stuff like that. What's like, the what's the age, the intended demographic? Like, is this a, a, a an adult animated show or a no, kids animated show? No, it's probably Y seven. Okay. I'm sure it's Y seven. Okay, yeah, which is which isn't saying a lot because Legend of Korra is Y seven. Well, and it must have some kind of. Adult Can you believe Legend of Korra is a Y seven kids show? I mean, this podcast that I listened to that ended up on is, I mean, it's like us nerds, right? It's it, it, Every episode covers some nostalgic something or other for like our age of people. And they talked about Steven Universe. So it must have some kind of yeah. uh, adult following. Yeah. Uh, but it has a, has a great cast of, of, of voice actors who, um, I mean, some of them are professional singers, like Estelle, who's like a... Uh, a a black Britain, British singer. I think she's British. I believe she's British. Um, and like some of the other singers on there are like, I feel like they're classically trained, um, but great, great voice acting, great singing. Story-wise, I don't, I don't really care. I can just listen to the album and, and be entertained enough. I, That's what uh, I've been doing. And then eight days from now, you'll still be like, what, one and a half weeks removed from the new house or something like that. Uh, eight days yeah. from when we're recording, I mean. Uh, yeah, something like fourth, that. Breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> just just for our live audience of one or two that's on Facebook yeah, move, Live. Yeah, right moving my new house in like three weeks. From, awesome. From this day that I'm living and talking right now. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to worry about TV shows for a while because there's a lot of seasons of Scrubs. Uh, but I will, I'm almost done with uh, with MHA, I want to say I'm halfway through season three, Ooh, uh, almost okay. done with that. And it, I, I think the long and the short of it is the the parts that I don't like is the things that I just generally don't like about. Uh, I'm going to use the term too broadly, and I know people could be upset, and I'm really sorry. I don't mean it that way, but anime in general of this, like everything, everything is just one step bigger, one step more dramatic than the last. Like instead of a good, beautiful sort of full circle. Avatar: The Last Airbender story arc. It's got it's. There's probably a name for this trope in anime that kind of Dragon Ball. Uh, it is called power scaling. Power scaling. It's not near as bad in MHA, but the same concept of like every next villain or every next thing is just like one step more extreme and crazy and powerful than last. And that's something that I've never liked about anime. What I love is the deep dive episodes that we get into every single one of these characters that could just be. They could just be throwaway characters. They could just be the friend mm. character that you get yeah. occasional. And no, we get these like beautiful, heartfelt, meaningfully well-written deep dives into all these other characters. And I love those episodes. I eat those episodes up. Absolutely. So what, so, what was the last big thing that happened? Um, I just watched the Crimson Riot episode. Um, oh, gosh. No, you're kind of deep in Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, is it halfway through season three? Am I close? Um, yeah, you're, yeah you're, so. you're about to be. I mean, pretty close. There's not that many more episodes. Maybe there's like 20 more episodes. They're trying to rescue uh, but this little girl, and Crimson yes. Riot is with the heavy, the heavy guy, and I forget his name. Oh my god! And they Fag just fought this guy so whose good. whole existence is just about fighting to the death, essentially. Yeah. And that guy's kind of a weird, uh, weird villain. But uh, yeah, so I, it's one of those shows that. I got to be honest, I'll probably never watch it again, but I have no issue and I'm excited to finish it now and to see where it goes. And as more seasons come out, I'll probably follow through with those seasons because I love the character work that it does. But there's, there's a, I already forgot the word, but there's some power scaling on an episode to episode basis that I typically just in anime in general, I don't, I don't always care for. Well, the interesting thing here is that I feel like Deku's built to power scale. <laughs> like that's, because he, because well, he has kind of a, the the intention of the show in sort of a meta ish way too, right? Like it's almost poking fun at a trope or attempting to with with Deku. Yeah, I mean, if, if you like Deku, will he'll always be 
power scaling because his his peak is all might <laughs> um and he has to eventually get there it's just kind of interesting like how all the other characters i feel like a lot of other characters don't get that much stronger but they get better um like red i mean like red riot like um, that's not necessarily power scaling um who else i think that's just gotten a lot better and some of them haven't gotten much better like i feel like um Todoroki has sort of plateaued from him in several episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I love my hero. Even Deku in the past handful of episodes, uh, you know, there's just not been as much attention to him because we've been on these kind of smaller character arcs. Mm -hmm. Um, so even Deku in the past few episodes just haven't hurt a lot. So I know they're all contiguous, you know, in, in terms of timeline, these are all probably happening in the same couple hours of time within the show universe but yeah uh and you're watching an english dub uh whatever's on hulu so dub okay. dub for sure yeah i a sub i can't do sub stuff i i struggle to keep up with on they, what's they on a, screen and reading so they have a pretty good um dub and dub voice acting i've seen some bad dubs come from some of my personal favorite tv shows and i'm happy to say that this is a good one but uh i would I would rather take a bad dub than a good sub because I like seeing the whole image. I like seeing <laughs> well, I like seeing the whole screen when I'm paying attention and there's so few times in life where I'm actually paying attention to just I have two TVs in front of me right this instant and those two TVs are always on. Uh one's usually game, one's usually TV. But what I was getting to is the other day my wife was watching Hulu and we were watching on the same profile. I can create multiple profiles. There's literally nothing stopping me. But it was like jittering because we're on the same profile. And I was so lazy that instead of creating another profile, I was like, I'll just go see what's on Netflix. And so I did. And I ended up watching through this entire anime called Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? I don't know anything about this anime. It was recommended for me. I don't know what it says about me as a person because it's very fan servicey anime. I don't watch a lot of anime. Uh, and when I do, it's been on Hulu. So I'm very surprised. But it's very, very fan service so I don't know what it says about me that it was recommended. Uh, but there's just one season on there, and I burned through the whole season, and it's like, it's pure Sean. It's like campy, high fantasy, f fan service which I personally don't need or whatever. And I, and I burned through that whole thing in a day, and I was proud. I binged a show, and I don't usually have the attention span to do that. It wasn't even great. It was good. I enjoyed it. I'd never, like, recommend it because I'd potentially be ashamed when somebody else watched it be like there's a lot of boobs and i'm like i know i'm sorry <laughs> so I, this is my yeah, long-winded medicine i binged a show and i'm proud a full season yeah there's some things about anime that i really don't like i'm like you guys need to get over this and i don't know if it's a cultural thing and i don't want to paint any culture that i don't know a lot about as, as one whole thing yeah but um but like i was i was playing this game jump force right jump force is most of the anime that you probably that people have, have watched like shonen anime it's called it's from a magazine called shonen jump um so that's anime have been in there like dragon ball z naruto my hero academia a lot of the the bigger ones in japan that are more like... there's literally a famicom classic that's built on shonen jump like it's 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 the whole yeah. animated world over there or at least it was at one point in time yeah so there's a game called jump force right i'm, I'm playing it and i'm picking characters i'm like jeez this is a sausage fest like there's not there's like only one female character um <laughs> which makes me like at least that's the one thing that western animation has so i feel like they've pay way more attention to to strong female characters than anime has because there really isn't i've never watched an anime with a strong female character that was the main character like sure my hero has a lot of them a lot of great female characters but none of them are the main character um and dragon ball z is just a huge freaking <laughs> and so you get to probably dragon ball super and i don't watch dragon ball super because it's not that great um i and i then, will say what that... else uh, naruto ha naruto has a lot of great female characters but again they're not the main characters i want an anime where the main character is, is a girl and go from there 
Um, and also, also I'll say like part of my why I'm lumping it's all in there because if you look at Power Rangers. Every single Red Ranger, except for the Alien Ranger, which isn't one of the main teams. I don't even know uh, who that is. The Red Ranger is always the leader. Um, in the past, how old am I? Thirty-two. Puzzle Power Rangers have been around since for like twenty-seven years since I was five. There's never been a female leader of the Power Rangers um, out of all the seasons, and so I'm just like, well, why is that? Well, it's be, well, like, like why, why doesn't the directors of Power Rangers have a female leader? Well, because they just take the most time they just take the stock footage from Japan, and so they're stuck with that footage, um, which is interesting because the Yellow Ranger and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is actually a guy in Japan. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. I think yellow is not pretty, you know, in America, we kind of have a feminine connotation yeah. to the color yellow, but I don't think that exists in most other countries. At least not to the same exactly. degree. Um, but I don't know. My point being is that I want to see more female representation in anime and Power Rangers. In a lead, <laughs> well, and just in a lead role also. Not lead, lead role. Yes. I was. <laughs> I enjoyed this show enough that uh, for the other, it's it's almost like a JRPG in a show. And if you know me, you know I love video games, and you know I suck at video games, so I play JRPGs because I can solve all my problems by grinding. It's like a JRPG in a show is what I loved about it most. But I was so ashamed about the amount of fan service that I went to my other podcast host, as he is a massive anime nerd. Uh, I should say also because I'm here with you. So he's also a massive anime nerd, and, and he is also homosexual. And so I went to him. I was like, "I'm only telling you this because I want you just to, just to get the judgment." I am not. Just, <laughs> he, well, I just went to him because I was like, "Listen, I know you're going to judge I don't, I don't, me for I don't, this." I don't, I don't. I don't know if you're also was. He's also because I saw you said another. Oh wait, I'm sorry. You said he. Was, oh, so he said, is a huge anime nerd. Also, as in you and he are also yes. huge anime nerds. But then he, on top of being a huge anime nerd, is also. A homosexual. So those two things. That's not that I am also off. him, right? Not that not you or I, just him. Uh, but the reason I'm telling you that is, I like went to him for validation. I was like, "You're gonna judge me for this. I need you to tell me that I'm not a bad person." But I watched this whole anime, and and I loved it. And he's like, "Yeah, it's not for me, but if it makes you feel better, I've heard other people say they legitimately enjoyed it too." And I was like, "Oh, thank good, fine." <laughs> Somebody else has to validate. That I didn't just watch the show for fan service, but <laughs> he did. Thanks, Jesse. Looking out for me, man. You're, Appreciate it. You ever start watching Sword Art online? Um, I've been told <clears throat> repeatedly that I would probably very much like the earlier seasons of Sword Art online. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, I've only watched season <laughs> one. Kind of yeah, trope, or... right? I've been told yeah. I would like Sword Art online a lot for the same reasons that I like JRPGs yeah, okay. and all those things. So I haven't done it yet. I don't know, is, I that like a, it. is that a Netflix one or a? Anything? It is on Netflix. Netflix and on English, I believe. Uh, we're in the height of football season right now, but there's been a lot of cancellations, things moving around. So I've actually had more time this football season than I have in previous ones. But uh, hey, this like this is our long-winded way of saying we more <laughs> more female lead roles in in anime. That's what we're after. You know, more yes. LGBTQ uh, plus and or female lead roles in anime. That's what we're getting at here. Thanks for joining this episode. We're done now. No, let's go talk about the actual episode because it's good and I don't want to do it any disservices. Let's talk about turning the tides. Turning the tides. All right. So the Equalist is just like, let's just, let's just get them. And they're just attacking the city. So this episode to me was, uh, it reminded me a lot of the Dark Knight in, in the sense of like, especially that scene where the judge gets a, gets a knock on the door and the, and the cops are like, here, like people are being killed left and right. The you know, Joker's targeting everyone. Just take this envelope and tell you where to go. And she gets in the car. She looks at the envelope and it says up and the car blows up. And then it, this scene reminds me, the councilwoman is at the door. She gets a knock and uh, there's two guys. Uh, one of them is the lieutenant. Um, and uh, and they take her out. So it just reminded me of that. Uh, they pretend to be spider rat exterminators, and that sounds gross. That sounds like the worst. Cre- like the only worst thing I think of, like snake spiders or spider snake. Uh, what's the venom that the 
Kyoshi guy uses? The spider snake venom? I think so. Okay, that's so far that's still the number one horrifying creature from the Avatar universe, but this is a close second. Yeah. Um <laughs> so then so equal start attacking. Um gosh, I wish I could I feel like a lot happens in this episode. Uh Pimma's pregnant, if that's very I mean, she's been pregnant this whole time, but she's like on the verge of delivering. Um, Tenzin asks Lin to stay with Pema and watch out over the other kids in the family. Why he goes? I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. Why he goes? No, and no, tries you're, to no, you're good. Tries to head this thing off. Um, and as they're in Republic City, like things are going down. You know, there's airships flying overhead. Um, a certain amount of chaos that's happening, also in a larger scale. So not just the individual council person scale that we saw there. And yeah. Uh, then what happens? They attack the they, they attack Tenzin because they're attacking all the council members. Tenzin, well, yeah, I love this scene because uh, Tenzin can feel them coming. And he takes them out. And I love how he like does the whirlwind and he does it so effortlessly. And he like pretty much was that a McDonald's ice cream his... squirrel you just did there? A little McDonald's ice cream <laughs> coming out of your subconscious. That's what it looked Probably. like. You did. Like There's... you like. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so McDonald's was my first job I remember finally figuring out how, how to make the perfect ice cream cone because <laughs> they have a specific way to make it if you're if you're terrible making them you just do the like drum 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 thing right and it makes like three bolts um, but the real way to make it is to is to twirl it up good swirl yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, who are you kidding ice cream machines are always broken anyways Ice cream at McDonald's. What a fallacy. I, I, I hate it cleaning the ice cream machine. That's the worst thing. I could believe that would be a horrible chore. So I just thought of that when you, like the way you were t- describing uh, Tenzin's whirlwind and it like had a nice, perfect swirl to it. <laughs> That's a good ice cream right there. It's been out of my 32. How long ago was that? Second 14 time years this episode, ago? You've referenced your age. 15 years ago, I worked at McDonald's. Man. Come a long way. Still sticks. Go to college, there. kids. Still sticks up there. You know, don't no, listen go, to those people who are saying a, college is for losers. Get, <laughs> go. get a tough job that teaches you good values, and and also go to college and do those two things, and then you know, yeah, do, do work crappy jobs, learn valuable life lessons, and the, the so value every, of a the thing is every job most most time. So. I, I usually, you know, every new job I get paid more and more. Just depends. That's the fingers um, crossed idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my jobs actually kind of get easier <laughs> as time goes. McDonald's is probably the hardest job I've ever had, which is so. One thing, yeah. Don't don't ever. I, I feel like pe- people might look down at at people like, working in jobs, but they never look down at those people because they have some hard jobs. It never look um, down on people making an honest <laughs> wage. Absolutely. Um, and then I worked at uh, building stoves, <laughs> which was honestly pretty easy um, because I would just bought some up all day. But it was physical labor. Um, and then I worked in the dining hall at my college. That job I hated. That's a One tough. Was, that's uh, a tough racket. I was getting paid like five dollars an hour, which was less than I got paid at McDonald's. Um, and at least I was a manager at McDonald's making six fifty. <laughs> so I could at least put that on a. But yeah, working in the dining hall just sucked. Yeah, uh, and then I then I worked at Walmart, which was fine. I was getting paid eight dollars an hour, just working hardware. That was a pretty easy job. Yeah. And then I became an RA, and that was probably one of the most like best jobs I've ever had. Even though it paid me fifty dollars every month, <laughs> and <laughs> paid me free housing and free housing. Okay, food right? which comes yes. with free food. I got as I yeah. say, mine housing like fine. I could sleep in a car. I got food. And that was big to me. <laughs> yeah, I got unlimited access to the dining hall. Yeah. It's not that we were ever like short of food in my family, but we lived a long way from town, and I was one of five children. So when I got to the dining hall, and I could pick whatever I wanted to eat every day, everybody's like, "This food is gross." I'm like, "Are you?" I mean, yeah, it's not good, but I'm so happy. <laughs> so, I loved just eating food unnecessarily in college. I don't know how I kept the weight off. I have no idea. 
tremendous metabolism. Way to go. Uh, yeah, then my job just kind of get easier. Really Granted, easy. I had to do a lot of, I had to do a lot of, you know, training and go to school for it. Like working the pilot, you can't, you can't just. I feel like you can't just go just go right into working in, in like corporate America. You need some training and, and background in it. I um, agree. I started in a in a pulley factory, and also pouring cement. Those are my first two. So I would agree mm-hmm. that physically. Glad you added that T at the end there. My mind went somewhere different. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, this episode's been crazy from the beginning. No, uh, uh, cement, concrete, uh, p- concrete, uh, sidewalks and such. Nothing weird. And then uh, I would have to agree that at least in a physical labor sense, over time, my jobs have gotten significantly easier. I say now that I wake up at 745 and go to the next room and sit in a chair. And every now and then I'm just like, hmm, that meeting was tough. I'm going to take a nap. That was, <laughs> and then I go take a nap. Uh, I, I've been pretty good because I'm still in like the honeymoon phase with my job. But I'm not going to lie. There's sometimes it's like sitting down here in the basement eating lunch. and be like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch another episode. And then I'll go get my laptop and bring my laptop. Sit it right here just in case. Just in case somebody calls. Nobody calls. No. Uh man, get an education okay. if you, you find a way to get an education. <laughs> That's what we're getting at. Or training, yeah. Or training. Train to it doesn't have to be. Up. It doesn't have to be formal. Just keep educating yourself. Uh yeah, my dad's a welder. Welders make pretty good money, and there's usually good. It is a meat, lifelong though, in-demand yeah. skill to be a welder. Uh, where the heck were I we? have no idea. Oh, uh, so Tenzin fights off these bad guys. It's been a very tangent heavy yes. episode, but I dig it. Tenzin fights off these bad guys, and then I think at this point they look and they see, uh, like the airship going towards uh, Air Temple Island. Yes, yeah. So, team out. So, um, so, so Tenzin's about to get captured by like some equalist team avatar, uh, beats them. Uh, and saves Tenzin, and then yeah, they see the airship, Amon's airship, going towards uh, Air Temple Island. So now they got to get there, and they have to save Tenzin's kids. And Lynn is there, and Lynn is like fighting them off, but she's like getting beat. And the White Lotus is not the White Lotus from Avatar, <laughs> the last Airbender. Um, which hey, those are like four of the strongest people in the world. <laughs> There, there are other people in the White Lotus. They just, you know, only just, the good ones. They just didn't fight show. Fight. Yeah, it's like yeah, sorry, just I'm, I'm busy that day. I can't fight against the evil Fire Lord. That's all yeah. that happens. Um, and uh, and it's a pretty pretty good fight scene with the Airbending kids, which this reminded me of. So the Airbending kids are like fighting the Equalists. This reminded me of, of the movie Three Ninjas. Right? Was it called Three Ninjas? Yeah. There yeah, was a, there was that. at least four of them, bare minimum. At least four of those movies. <laughs> gonna go out I remember liking say, the first one. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that three of them were wildly unnecessary. Probably. But the first um, one. But, uh... Oh, and Milo just farts. Airbending farts with some dude's nose. Like, that dude has no sense of smell anymore. Like, it's gone. Uh, like, which I forget which one uh, makes a comment about leave my dad's ex-girlfriend alone or something like that. I be- it's Janora. Janora yeah. does that. Yeah, and then Nikki says, like, get off our island. It's super, and then, super cute. And then Milo's like, fulfill the wrath of Milo or something like that. <laughs> and it's like slow motion. And one thing, I love how Lynn is like, Janora, stop that. Get to safety. Nikki, what are you doing? Mila, and then she's just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> she tried. I she gave an love, honest effort. Yeah. This is probably the best Lynn. Actually, that's hard to say. This is a really good Lynn episode. Um, because one thing, you know, when Tenzin asks her this is the to best watch Lynn his kids. Episode. I don't know. There's a couple. It's probably the best Lynn episode. It's In the, terms best, of the, whole episode? the best Lynn episode. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of great Lynn moments coming up. But this is probably definitely the best Lynn episode. Um, just when you start, just when you look at the growth here, and it's hard to 
really tell because this season has really gone on like a year and you see the seasons changing uh core is back wearing like a winter kind of coat type of deal like a whole nine months have gone by or maybe a year um but it's interesting to see like where lynn and tenzin were at to start off All right and that and that first scene where he's busting core out of jail he talks to lynn as if like they're old friends but not like their current friends or current acquaintances he's like Lynn looking dashing as ever or something like that. Like that to me, that's something you tell somebody who you're who you're not buddy buddy with. It's and just now a they get political to this politeness sort of thing. Yeah. And now he gets to the point of like, Lynn, can you protect my family? And she's like, Of course, old friend. And and so you see them coming together. My heart. And I like and I like it because you see Lynn protecting this family, protecting what maybe could have been her life. Um, and she doesn't hold any resentment or anything about that. Um, but she's like, I'm going to protect these kids. And then she ends up needing the kids' help. And the kids do a stellar job with the stellar commentary also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so then... Do we, we have Emma to throw has... in real quick, though, the part where Cora, they like... I don't remember how she ends up parked like half like on the curb and kind of at an angle oh, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, when they're trying yeah. to make their getaway, it's just like, you guys left me with the car and I made it clear. I don't know how to drive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, it was just kind of a cute, charming, like, oh yeah, she's no, that is like, good. some uh-huh. technological innocence here. It was a cute moment, but that was on the way to their escape earlier. I Which is why I, I really can't wait for them to do a live action of Korra because I think they're going to plant a lot more Coruscant seeds earlier, and I think it's such a cute dichotomy between those two that Cora, Cora's almost uh, put this politely. Um, uh, compared to Asami, she's a savage. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> anyway, she's she, she come she grew up in the north in the South Pole, and that's all she knew. And she hunts, and and she's a to this girl, point girl. she gets by on she's brute a, strength. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to this point in the series. And, uh, and, and, you, and you put that with Asami, who's just like, why would you park my car? Like, I almost want, like, some sitcom of, of them, because that's such a great, to me, that's a great comedic stuff of, of Korra being, like, over, maybe a little overbearing, not with the new times. Like, you could just have some sitcom humor there of, of, of just that, that difference between the two of them. Like... <laughs> In this sitcom, there'll be at least one instance of Cora like eating meat without a plate and without silverware, like mm. just out of her lap on yeah. the new furniture. Just, no, it, it's just her raw meat, fire bending it, just, <laughs> and then just, <laughs> just while Sami is like prepping this beautiful decolet, decadent, whatever. Decad- you were combining both like, words, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like roast with like all the rice seasonings and Through stuff on it. a machine whose only purpose in life is to make a perfect roast and she's going to put it yeah. through that machine. And Corey, yeah, she's just over like, here like fire blasting her nugs one after the other. You know? With like, with, the, with vegetables and stuff. <laughs> it's it's a sitcom that I would watch at least, uh, you know, I'd watch the pilot for sure. I won't commit past yeah. that, but I'd watch the pilot. There's a lot of bad sitcoms out there. <laughs> oh. My point is... A live isolation of Korra, I think, will plant uh, Korra seeds a lot earlier. I think they'll probably still would do, like, the love triangle won't be as annoying um, because that's part of their growth, and that's part of their story, and I think it's, uh, it's a, uh, a little messy at times, but it's, uh, it can be important. Yeah. It's part of their uh, discovery. Yeah. Discover, yeah. Um, okay, so Lynn, so they, uh, Pema has her baby. And uh, oh wait, one thing, I love how um, they're about to get attacked, and uh, oh, this happens way before. Sorry, they're about to get attacked, and Lynn is like, "All right, everyone, uh, what should I say? All right, everyone, uh, calm down, prepare yourselves." And then Pima's just screaming. She's like, "Pima, I said pray, <laughs> something, calm down." If this wasn't a kids' show, I would be like, "Damn it, Pima, I said be quiet." <laughs> God damn it, woman! Get back in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Pamela. 
Yeah, and then she has the baby. Um, oh, and there's also the good moment of like when Tencent asks Lynn to take care of the family and Pema interrupts him, kind of interrupts him in like a, not a jealous way, but just like a... Let's call it playful, I know. Maybe? I, yeah. And she's like, oh, hey, you can take care of, of Milo. <laughs> and he's like, I made a poop. Apparently Milo's still in... Diaper? It kind of implies that he is, I don't, or like pull-ups yeah. and trainers or something. Yeah. What it implies is that he pooped his pants in Lynn's hands. <laughs> and then, yeah, and Lynn just like... She's, like metal yo-yo strings of a metal bin. <laughs> exactly, that's hilarious. Um, it's a really, it's a just kind of cutely animated too. It's adorable. Yeah, I'm curious what their reference was for that. <laughs> for yo-yoing a poop child. Yeah, I don't know where you're. I don't know who comes up yeah. with that in particular. Um. Okay, so they Pim has her baby. They name her Rohan. Really great moment. A uh, little, little cute little moment there. And, but the more ships are coming, more airships from Amon are coming, and so they try to escape on um, on Oogie, and Lynn's like, "I'm coming with you," and and gets to a point where Lynn knows it's an amazing scene. I think like she looks, they're they're on Oogie, two airships are coming at Lynn, and she grabs like this one little rope from it, and she has a hold of pretty much the airship, and she looks back at. Tenzin and, and his kids and wife and they looking kind of helpless and she's I feel like she I mean, she makes a dedicated decision like I'm going to protect this family like it's almost it's not her family like those aren't her kids but to me that's the closest thing she has to family especially knowing um, now how her family relationships are at this point she has no relation with her mom or her sister so this is the closest thing she has to family and it's also the closest thing that she got to having her own family. So she will uh, protect it. And she um, she said something really cool, like, whatever you do, don't look back or keep going. Something like that. Something cool that a, a, a BA person says before going to go save the day and sacrifice themselves. Um, and then she takes out the airship, just like her mom Toph did in, in, the, in, the, in the Sozin's Comet. She takes out one airship, which just great animation of her just like channeling her, her chi and focusing in and taking the airship out. And then she jumps off, catapults off that airship and starts to take out the other one. And then she gets captured. Um, and then Milo says, like, that woman is my hero. And it's, it's such a great moment. And honestly, the episode could have ended there. I feel like this episode has like three endings to it. It does. <laughs> Kind of red herring um, endings. Yeah, you could have ended it with just Lynn getting captured, but they didn't. Like they they didn't go to Lynn being at Amon's feet and uh, him like tell me where the owls are or tell me where they are. And then she's like, "You're a monster." Mm-hmm. And then he takes away her bending in a very dramatic moment in the rain. Which, if you ever watch Cowboy Bebop, they say in the commentary. There's a scene in Cowboy Bebop for those who've watched it. I've never watched it all the way through, honestly. Um, I plan to at some point. But there's a scene where a character is killed in the rain, and uh, and Brian was like, "Yeah, I just wanted to mirror that completely." <laughs> and if if you watch you've watched both scenes, um, you can tell the influence is there. Uh, if you watch my video, which is like ten things you didn't know about Legend Core season one, I. I think I do a side by side of those two scenes. Yeah, so you can check that out. In that I've video. watched uh, only that ten seconds of Cowboy Bebop that's in that video, <laughs> and that's all I know about that show. Yeah. Apparently, it's one of the greatest animes of all time. I well. hear I hear a lot about it from my multiple anime nerd friends. <laughs> but I've weirdly never just sat down and watched it all the way through. I've honestly, I've probably watched every episode. Just not paying full attention to it. Isn't it weird how you can do that and then never have just like put it all? Well, I feel like yeah. I got a few shows. Of Scrubs being the obvious current one, but I feel like I got a few shows like that. Yeah. Um, and then Amon takes away her bending. Great scene. And then we get another scene. So it could end there, but then we get like a another scene. I feel like they 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 wanted to balance it out. <laughs> 
they just had a main character lose her bending and then they bounce with oh there's a little hope there's united nations united forces of united nations and uh, they're led by sick how sick would it have been to end the episode with uh with lynn losing her bending though like how awesome how dramatic i mean i don't really like cliffhangers that much but i'm 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 torn i I like hmm. like the hope at the end that's what it's and it's very exciting as soon as you hear general iroh and you're like general i guess that's where you put it i guess story-wise and building episodes you rather put it there because all you need is that quick five seconds of it rather than putting it in the beginning of another episode so i guess i get it from maybe that standpoint um but this uh the the excitement at the end though like i said especially coming from somebody who hadn't read any comics or anything and so you hear like and general iroh's fleet of ships is on the way or something like general who now what (laughs) tell me more i'm listening and then there's the there's Dante Bosco's voice, who voices uh, Zuko. And so that was good just to hear. I was hyped, to say the least. Hearing and this is like seeing a friendly face yeah. slash hearing a friendly voice. Yeah, I kind of wish we got more of General Iroh. I mean, we, we did in this season, but after that, we we don't. Um, but I don't know where you would put him at exactly. Mm-hmm. I just, maybe we get more of him in the comics, something like that. Which we get a little bit more, but he's also he's just not he's just not that relevant after season one. He's a great character, I think. Um, just just off living his own life. That's true. Yeah. I I mean, we could hear a story about it. That'd be fine. <laughs> I I remember being real psyched to hear his name here, though. Uh, especially, you know, just when I probably watched this initially, I was probably coming absolutely fresh off of ATLA, so I was pretty stoked to hear it here. Yeah, that's the episode. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to yawn. Uh, it even works over camera. All right. Well, in that case, let's get to some ratings. We made it through all the tangents. All right. We arrived at the ratings. We did it. Uh, another great episode. So, audiovisual, a nine. I forget what was so amazing about this. Uh, oh, just Lynn spending getting taken away. Uh, that alone gets a nine. There's some other great stuff in there. Story uh nine the story's really just picking up um this is again a great land episode great character development here i think she drives pretty much most of this episode uh memorable gave it a nine as well i feel like i just want to say lynn again <laughs> like just the way she sacrifices herself that's the most memorable moment for me you get lynn so, comedy you get lynn relationship stuff you get lynn being badass yeah uh, so if you're good at math, you know that that weighted average is enough, no matter what the weights are. I feel like we were two for two on super duper close ratings uh, this week, in the, or this set of recording. Audiovisual, uh, I docked a little bit. Uh, I, in, in hindsight, I, I'd take it back and I'd probably flip-flop it with my story. Uh, I wanted to dock, I don't know what I was thinking, but I wanted to dock the story a little bit because it's such a small like fragment of time. Like, we go from Air Temple Island to the mainland, then back to Air Temple Island, and then kind of back to the... Like, uh, it's such a small fragment. So I was going to dock it a little bit for that, and I apparently did it backwards because I'm stupid. Long story short is they're both really good. Audiovisually, it's very interesting. And the story is just pure action, basically, beginning to end. And it's very, very exciting. And then memorable, uh, it's just hard to stack this one up next to the previous one. Um, again, it's such a small fragment that kind of blends in with the previous and the one after. It, it's very easy for me to get them all mixed up. So it's still good, and I really like the Lynn bits. Um, but uh, I, I feel like I was probably coming too fresh off the last episode, if I'm going to be honest. Still, comes out to an 8.6. It's a very viable rating. That's 8.8 total. Very high on our scales, and it's safe to say we both really enjoyed this episode. It's great. There's yep, Lynn yep. whooping some ass right there. She's just tearing giant sheets of metal off of these things, yeah. making Mama proud. <laughs> I really it's... can't wait to get into season two because I just have more issues. If people think that I might be like somewhat biased, I mean, I'm not going to tear season two to, to like shreds. But um, I'm just being honest with, with my opinion. They season two doesn't treat Lynn the best. <laughs> I don't think. 
this we'll this episode there. made me so sad. Like, how can Toph and and Lynn not have a at least like a passable relationship, right? Like, after she gets through this, if I was Lynn, the oh, first I'm thing fine I would... with. I'm fine with that relationship because that's 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 uh, you know that's real life. It is <laughs> right. Like, um, like sometimes it's... even two people who have the best of intentions, just through through their actions or inactions. Um, they don't like the result of, of these things that happen, but these, you know, things happen. That's almost maybe I'm saying that because I've just, maybe I'm just thinking of, uh, Will Smith and Aunt Viv, the original Aunt Viv, and now they finally reconcile <laughs> after like 27 years. I didn't know there was beef there. I didn't know there was an issue. Yeah. No, it's, watch, try to watch the, you don't have to watch the reunion, on Facebook. Oh, I do want uh, to watch well, it. It'll make me feel too many feelings, and I'll be sad, and I'll be hurt, and I'll lash out at you specifically. Like, why'd you make me watch this? But I will watch it, and I'll enjoy it, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, so she, she, uh, they replaced her, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and her, her and Will didn't get along on, on set for, for a certain time because she was going through some, some stuff in her life. And she and Will Smith is like loud, like he wants everyone to have fun and stuff, and like that's the way the cast was. But she wasn't like that sometimes because she, she said she was pregnant, she said she had an abusive husband, and so she would like often just go. She kind of kill Will's vibe, and Will is twenty one years old, and so he just didn't work as well with her. And my impression like of Will it, has always been that the Will that you see in most of his movies is kind of who Will is, like is. Yeah. And then, and so, um, so they get into that in the reunion, but then they're going even deeper into it. So on Facebook, Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has a Facebook show called Red Table Talk, where she brings people in to talk about like their issues or history and stuff like that. He, in this previous, in this one episode that just came out like today, he uh, goes over the reunion with a psychologist or his therapist or whoever and, and goes through it. And he's like, yeah, like my father was abusive and and I would try and make everyone laugh all the time to try and make him happy. Um, and so he so he wouldn't get mad at my mom and stuff like that. And so like that's his that's his defense mechanism, but it's almost an automatic defense mechanism, a preemptive def- defense mechanism. And so when he doesn't feel like people are um when when he's not wasn't getting that reaction he wanted to from from uh, original Aunt Viv, in in a way he internalized that as a threat to him, and uh, and he he didn't get a they didn't get along, and so she got she wasn't fired technically they didn't re up her and they replaced her, and so they had this beef all throughout like, even two years ago, she like made a video calling him out. She's like I'm personally calling you out, Will Smith. Like that's very literal. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they had a lot of beef, and he was like, "I did not know, like you were going through a lot of that stuff. Like I'm, I'm a stupid twenty one year old kid who had all this power, and 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 stuff." And and she talks about how her life was ruined because you know being being uh, characterized as being a, a black woman who who's hard to work with wasn't getting her far places in Hollywood. And and Will talked a little crap about her, probably. Um, and he, and like, he and like he any a, kid would about a bad well, yeah, worker I mean, he, or a perceived bad yeah. worker. And like he would say so, like, yeah, we fired her and stuff like that. You know, she was technically never fired, but she got blackballed in Hollywood. She was like, I lost my house. She was like, I. I uh, she was like, my my family. So my family disowned me, and and like Will, and like she went at him like you can tell she was getting lots of fluff of her chest and you can tell he's like didn't he feels terrible about it you can see that he you can see that it's it's challenging probably his perception of himself because you know will smith wants to everyone to feel great and feel good and he didn't do that for this person um but no it's a oh gosh how did i get on this topic (laughs) (laughs) but <laughs> it's a great lesson i guess in life i don't remember but now you got me all all amped for this well amped but also not i'm gonna have to watch this alone i'm probably gonna have to have alcohol just to keep me mellowed out <laughs> well 
Well, the sad part was when they were going through uh, James Avery memory, and because uh, uh, James Avery, who is Uncle Phil, um, he he was so vital to that show, and he passed away maybe like eight years ago or so. So that was the that was more the sad part. Um, but I think them reconciling was just uh, really interesting. I think when oh Toffin and her daughter <laughs> and, and Lynn, as I was getting at, that how two people who, who who just doesn't mesh and who whose actions they don't they don't want those results to happen and just things kind of happen uh, that way. Get real deep at the end of this episode here, but it's a really nice parallel and. Uh... It's much more, you know, to be fair, it's much more satisfying to see like Toph and Lynn in a very real, something that feels very real. Whereas, and I think it's this episode, it's Asami's dad, who up to this point, it didn't bother me so much, but he's got like one line in this whole episode and it's kind of cheesy and stupid. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll, you know what? I'd rather have Toph and Lynn's <laughs> something that feels very real up the, rather than him just in this airship for this one line and the whole episode be like, can't believe she's with those darned benders or whatever it is he says. It's, it's yeah. like, <laughs> can we just not have that line in there, please? So, you know what? I'll take the real over that. I'll take the, the organic. Um, hey, you know what? Sometimes get it in these episodes deep and now I have to dwell on this for two weeks. No, uh, you know what we should say though is this is kind of the happy Thanksgiving episode, right? It'd be late, it'd be after Thanksgiving, two days after. So uh, we hope that you had a safe and happy Thanksgiving as much as 2020 will safely allow. And bear with us through the holidays and Chris's move because I'm sure schedule will be a little <laughs> wacky. It happens. Uh, so bear with us. We'd appreciate it. And thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate it. My name's Sean. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. We're on Twitter and Instagram at last underscore podcasters or facebook.com slash avatar the last podcasters. And we will be back next week with the next episode. Hope maybe next two weeks of two episodes finish out season one before Christmas. I just made that up on the spot. I hope that times out well. <laughs> it'll, it'll be close. It'll be close. All right. Thank you guys very much. And we will talk to you next week. All right. See you later.